News Weekly is an ad-free, listener-supported podcast made possible by teammates like Dominic Knight, Emma Duesenberg, Glenn Vallopi, James Bran, and hopefully you. Just go to patreon.com slash Shah to support the podcast. That's S-A-M-I-S-H-A-H. Oh, and stick around after News Weekly for some important announcements about upcoming episodes. Top Stories of the Week Australians remember they have a Prime Minister. Also, Alex Jones is a crisis actor for Big Vitamin. And shine bright like a cursed diamond. This is News Weekly, and NASA can slam a satellite into my asteroid anytime. Hello, I'm Sammy Shah, and this is News Weekly where we punch the news in the headlines weekly. Dribble down economics news now. Remember Australian Prime Minister Anthony Albanese? And that, do you remember Australia has a Prime Minister and his name is Anthony Albanese? You might have forgotten because he's never really seen in the news at all. It turns out his entire strategy of governing Australia is identical to his entire strategy of being in the opposition before the election. Just say nothing, do nothing, let everyone forget you're there because you can't disappoint people who don't have any expectations of you. Well, it's time he started doing what every prime minister in Australia needs to do, and that is disappointing us. The Prime Minister has ruled out making changes to the controversial Stage 3 tax cuts in the upcoming budget. Okay, so context time. The Stage 3 tax cuts were originally thought up and announced by the previous Conservative coalition government. And like all Conservative ideas about economics, they relied on trickle-down economics, an economic theory whose core principle is that if rich people get rich enough, they might sometimes climb to the top of their towers and have a wank because rich people like doing things like that. What did you think Steve Jobs went up in the rocket ship for? And Elon Musk is obviously trying to get to Mars to do. Elon Musk, he wants to be the first man to ejaculate on the red planet. Anyway, when they wank up at the top of their towers, their semen will drizzle down upon the poor and desperate masses. That's it. That's trickle-down economics. There's no actual economic benefit for anyone except for them. That's the whole plan, to make rich people rich enough to wank on us from on top of high-rise buildings. Conservatives, like the Liberal Party, love trickle-down economics because they love thinking about rich people wanking, being around rich people wanking, and basically are rich people wanking. And the moderate left, like the Labour Party, also loves trickle-down economics because basically they're the Liberal Party with a little more self-control. So they also have the same feelings about rich people and wanks, but they know how to hide it a little better. Now, the Liberal Party, with their coalition partners, the Nationals, who in this metaphor are the hand you numb before you wank, so it feels like someone else is wanking you, even though it's still just you, came up with something called the Personal Income Tax Plan. And the third stage, which is due to come into effect in July of 2024, massively benefits, you guessed it, the rich. How massively? Well, people who earn over $180,000 are going to get over half the sum of the tax cut, which means they get an extra $9,000 a year. People who earn less than $45,000 a year get the square root of fuck all, which, if you calculate down, comes to fuck all. 
Here's one-time Liberal MP Dave Sharma explaining the motivation behind these tax cuts in July of 2019 when they were announced. Well, I think, I mean, under stage three, as you know, look, 94% of Australian taxpayers will be paying no more than 30 cents in the dollar. Um, it'll mean that, you know, people have an incentive to work harder, get promoted. There you go. Giving tax cuts to the rich will motivate people, apparently, to work harder and get promoted so they can also get those tax cuts. Except, you know what else makes people work harder so they can get promoted? Not wanting to die poor and hungry, which is largely what these tax cuts are guaranteed to do. Now, when the Liberals announced these cuts in 2019, Labour under Albanese said they're a bad idea, which is the kind of thing you say when you don't actually think you're going to win the election and you can pretend to have morals and principles. But Labour won the election earlier this year, and now they're stuck with the tax cuts still to be implemented. Labour went to the election promising to keep the tax cuts, which were legislated under the former government, and are tilted towards those on higher incomes. Is 90 degrees a tilt? Tax cuts that benefit the rich disproportionately during a global economic crisis? If only we knew what result that could lead to in the real world, with the real world example in recent days. The British government has reversed controversial plans to scrap the top income tax rate of 45% on earnings over £150,000 a year. The proposed tax cut was unfunded, which means the government would have needed to take on new debt to finance it. And that sparked market turmoil and huge criticism at home and abroad including from the likes of the International Monetary Fund. The British Prime Minister for this month, Liz Truss, had to reverse the tax cuts announced by her government because of how much they were going to cost and the impacts that they had on the pound. And if the Labour government goes ahead with the Stage 3 tax cuts, they're expected to cost $243 billion in lost tax revenue over a decade. So have Labour been paying attention to what's happening in UK? Well, here's Treasurer Jim Chalmers. Uh, what we've seen play out in the United Kingdom is not irrelevant to us. Uh, it's not irrelevant to us because it's a cautionary tale about what can happen uh, if you get your policy settings out of whack uh, in a way that doesn't suit the economic conditions, and particularly the global economic conditions. And so we're very attentive to what's happening uh, in the United Kingdom. All right, so that sounds like Anthony Albanese's position must have changed. Our position hasn't changed. I've said our position hasn't changed. Our position has not changed. Really? Even if the position you're currently in is going to definitely cause you a cramp? Fears of a global recession are escalating tonight after a fresh warning from the International Monetary Fund. While Australia won't be completely spared, our nation is expected to avoid the worst of the downturn. Oh, that's it. We just want to feel included. Everyone else is having a recession, so why shouldn't we? Iran enters its V for Vendetta phase news now. Just as footage of the country's supreme leader was being broadcast, state TV was broken into. Ayatollah Ali Khamenei instead surrounded by flames with a call by those who hacked into the evening news to join us and stand up as the woman life freedom chant plays in the background. Iran's state TV was hacked and the picture that appeared showed a target over Khamenei's head and graphics that show that along with freedom from oppression, Iranian protesters need access to Canva for graphic design. 
Ayatollah Khamenei is the current ruler of Iran and is not to be confused with Ayatollah Khomeini who led the Islamic Revolution of 1979 and ruled Iran for almost 10 years, during which time he saw the mass murders of critics and wrote books about Islamic jurisprudence which covered such important matters as what to do with a goat after you have sex with it. Kill it and serve the meat to your neighbours but don't eat any yourself, in case you were wondering. Khamenei, who has been in power as the supreme ruler since 1989 and has yet to share his thoughts on sex with farm animals, but has called the Holocaust an event whose reality is uncertain, finally issued a statement about the ongoing protests, which have so far seen 185 people killed, including 19 children by Iranian government forces. We sharply condemned the protests as a foreign plot to destabilize Iran, echoing authorities' previous comments. He says, the rioting was planned, these riots and insecurities were designed by America, and the Zionist regime and their employees. Given that the protests are currently spread across 19 cities, for that to be true, the Zionist regime would basically have to have hundreds of thousands of employees in Iran, which would mean Israel has a better plan for employment in Iran than the Iranian government ever has. In other news, while Twitter has banned Kanye West for anti-Semitism, Ayatollah Khamenei still active. America remains the dumbest country where nothing good ever happens, news now. Speaking of anti-Semitic conspiracy theorists who have destroyed the lives of innocent people, InfoWars host and the only man standing in the way of chemicals turning frogs gay, Alex Jones, has been ordered to pay almost a billion dollars to the families of the Sandy Hook school shooting. An emotional response from the families to this colossal award of damages. It took Alex Jones to court after he claimed for years that the shooting at Sandy Hook School was a staged government plot to take guns from Americans and that no one had died. The right-wing radio host called the parents of the victims crisis actors, but he now acknowledges that the attack was real. The jurors decided he must pay millions in damages for promoting the lie that the shooting was a hoax. The families told the court they'd suffered years of harassment, including death threats. One father, whose child was killed in the school shootings, ended up taking his own life as a result of the constant harassment and death threats Jones's listeners inflicted on him. Twenty children between six and seven years old were shot to death in their Connecticut elementary school on December 14, 2012. These are examples of Alex Jones's conspiracies that started soon after the shooting. Then we see footage of one of the reported fathers of the victims, Robbie Parker, doing classic acting training where he's laughing and joking and they say, hey, we're live. And he goes, oh, <laughs> and maybe that's real. I'm sure it is. We didn't say you were a crisis actor and believe this happened. We just pointed out that you're an admitted actor and journalism student and said that you're anti-gun and that you're being fed talking points. In a rare example of the American justice system delivering a verdict that somehow doesn't make you think it's as broken as the American medical system, a jury found Alex Jones guilty of inciting the harassment and abuse. The jury has just awarded nearly $1 billion in damages to Sandy Hook elementary families and an FBI agent in the Connecticut defamation trial against Alex Jones. So is this then the end of Alex Jones? Will he be bankrupt and forced to shut down his broadcasts? I'm in chapter 11, subchapter five bankruptcy, which is not a liquidation, it's a reorganization. So as long as I wanna work basically for free, I mean, instead of making $2 million a year, I'll make a half million dollars a year under it. 
I'm happy to do that. InfoWars will continue on because the bankruptcy is going to be successful as long as listeners and people support us. So then right. any profit for the next five years will go to them. So the answer is no. When they get up there and say he shut down, it's over, all this, InfoWars uh, in the Chapter 5 will reorganize and stay on air. And then I personally will be attacked. They'll personally come after my money. Good luck. Under Texas law, can't get my house, can't get my car. I'm not into a bunch of stuff. I'm not into fancy garbage, so I don't give a damn. So while he was found guilty, he clearly doesn't feel any guilt. And it gets worse. It turns out the parents might never see a penny of the money. Quinnipiac law professor and lawyer Tony Minchella says, The question is not going to be where it's come from. It's going to be how do they get it? He also says what the plaintiffs will have to do is find out where Jones' companies are. And with limited liability companies, they can go after what's called a charging order to attach distributions to him from the LLC's profits. It's going to be a long road. Meanwhile, this was Alex Jones on the latest episode of his show, Right After the Verdict. We had a lot of big sales yesterday, biggest sale of the year so far, double Patriot points, additional 10% off, many items are already 50% off, with promo code 1776, that's 60% off at InfoWarsStore.com on Vitamin Mineral Fusion back in stock, X3 back in stock, 1776coin.com. You go there, you get $30 off and free shipping with promo code 1776, and it's a fundraiser coin to keep us on air. You've got my commitment. I'm not backing down. I'm not going anywhere. Apparently, the only thing in America more protected than your right to access assault weapons close to schools is selling fake vitamin supplements online to fund your defamation trial. Diamonds are a queen consort's worst friend. News now. The British royal family is, to many, a symbol of tradition. It just so happens that that tradition involves the stealing of wealth from colonized nations and then not giving it back. While the British Museum continues to adhere to its formal policy of la la, I can't hear you, no backsies, there's rumors that King Charles and his queen consort Camilla might be breaking with tradition. You want to talk about the royals? This is a really interesting story. Uh, front of the mail this morning about Her Majesty, well, not Her Majesty, um, Queen Consort Camilla yes. having to swap her crown. What's this all about? Well, it's a big row over the Koh in Or. Koh in Or, I think is the correct pronunciation. It's the Koh in Or. Koh in Or. If you're going to fucking steal something, at least know how to pronounce its name. It's a 105-carat diamond worth $591 million. That's at least got to be worth memorising the correct fucking pronunciation for. Uh, and this has sort of bubbled up as a story looking ahead into next year, the coronation, mm -hmm. that uh, India would find it very offensive if this stone was used in the coronation in Camilla's crown. So this has been a contentious issue between India and the British government for a while now. Successive Indian governments have asked for the return of the Kohenur, which was taken by the East India Company as a gift for Queen Victoria. And the legal document confirming the transfer was signed by an 11-year-old Sikh Indian crown prince, who spent much of his later life claiming the transfer was illegal given his age at the time. The crown the diamond was placed on has never been worn by men, apparently because of a curse that if a man wears it, then his empire shall fall. Queen Elizabeth did wear it, however, and that's supposed to have rendered the curse null and void, because curses work on the same logic that allowed Eowyn to kill the witch king of Angmar. You fool. No man can kill me. I am no man. 
I mean, if we're going to talk about kings and queen consorts and cursed diamonds, let's just go full Tolkien. The thing is, the Indian government has been asking for the diamond to be returned for a long time, and the British government has always responded with the official statement of, yes, we hear you, and no, it's not going to happen. And it's not like King Charles is suddenly returning it either. If rumours are to be believed, the diamond might be returned to a display case in the Tower of London instead. But why even that concession? Historically, the UK's approach to its colonial history is to just say, yes, but we gave you trains, and then distract everyone with more Mr Bean. Um, you can see what's going on here at play. This is where the, the royal family have to get the politics right as we try and, and, from a political point of view, and Liz Truss and her team try and create a post-Brexit deal with India. So there's a lot going on just behind not only this crown, but, you know, the issue there, it's actually the political situation and the ramifications. How in, So it may not just be a royal decision, it may also be a political decision that actually sees that the king is being advised to not let his wife wear it at the coronation. One of Liz Truss's biggest election promises, other than the one she's already had to make a U-turn on after it destroyed the economy worse than that time when Julius Caesar killed a million Gauls, was to get new deals in markets that were previously closed off due to the UK's membership in the European Union. A deal with India is a much-needed win for Truss, with the UK potentially getting lowered import duties on automobiles and scotch whiskey. And good luck finding a desi who doesn't love scotch whiskey. While India wants easier visa access for migrant workers, who will then move to the UK, set up a corporation called the West England Company, trap the local population into several generations of endangered servitude while stealing $45 trillion worth of resources and wealth over 200 years, and then get an 11-year-old descendant of King Charles and Queen Consort Camilla to sign the diamond over to India. Smart plan, if you think about it. That's it for this week's edition of News Weekly. So a quick announcement, like I said, about upcoming episodes. Uh, News Weekly is going on a short hiatus. It wasn't intended, and it's something that I wish I could avoid because I do love doing News Weekly, but it's just not possible given my work schedule for the next two to three weeks. What's happening is um, I'm going to the Ubud Writers Festival in Bali, where I'll be giving talks and taking part in workshops and everything as a writer. I'm going to be there for about 10 days, and that's a really big thing that I'm really excited about doing but um, I don't know if the internet connection is going to be very good and whether I'll be able to churn out episodes of News Weekly while I'm there. And to be honest, even if the internet connection is very good, I'm in Ubud, Bali. I really don't want to look at the news for just a few days. Uh, and then as soon as I get back, I'm off to Adelaide for an Oz Asia festival where I'm taking part in a debate about whether or not Mandarin should be made mandatory in schools and also leading a conversation around writing and comedy. Uh, um, so that'll be in Oz Asia. If you're in Adelaide, please come on down, take part in the festival. If you want tickets and you can't get them, message me through my Patreon. I'll see for what I can arrange for my Patreon subscribers. Uh, if you're in Bali, that would be amazing. Please definitely come around and say hi. But once all of that is over, I shall be back for a long and extended run of more News Weekly episodes. I'm going to try doing some more editorial editions in the meantime while I'm away, but I can't guarantee that it all depends on the availability of the guests I try lining up as I'm trying to always get good people for those editorial editions. 
Look, thank you so much for all your support. I genuinely cannot tell you how much it means to me. Every week, someone new joins the Patreon and all of that money is not... I, I feel bad going on holiday or taking time off from Muse Weekly because you're all giving me so much money to do these episodes and I cannot tell you how much it means to me. It covers the costs and the time and dedication that I try to put into these things. I will be back in three weeks. News Weekly will return. Hopefully, there'll be some editorial editions in the meantime. If there aren't, please forgive me. Stick around and I'll see you right back here on News Weekly, where we punch the news in the headlines weekly. Bye.